will be open. My ears will be attentive to the prayers offered in this place. The presence of God is one place you are not silent. And some of you know what it feels like to feel silenced by circumstance, silenced by pressures around you, silenced by financial waves and needs and, and trying to make ends meet financial pressures. Some of you, you know what it's like to feel silenced, to feel your spirit person, your boldness shrink on the inside within you because of what you're facing. But let me tell you, the presence of God is one place you are not silent. You're not unheard. You're not sidelined. You are completely heard and understood. You need to know tonight, you have the full attention of heaven. Every child in this place tonight needs to know you're not silenced. You're not sidelined. You have the full attention of heaven. So knowing that, what would you say to God? What would you hope for? What you hope for, you can have. What you hope for, you can have. You tell the great I am. What do you want to see? Peace over your school. Peace over your household. You ask him. His ears are open to you. He sees all the little children, he sees, speaking of little children, that baby in your womb, Trish, your fourth baby, will be the leader of even your first, second, third born babies. There's a leadership gift on this child. It's been conceived and will be brought into the world in a totally different atmosphere. The very dynamics and atmosphere of your home are not what they were when your first baby was born. And therefore, there's a different DNA running through the veins of this child. There's victory on this child. There's leadership on your child. So get ready for a boss baby. <laughs> this little boss baby is gonna run the house and it's gonna bring great joy. Great joy to this household. We thank you, God. Amen. We worship according to our revelation. So the three wise men worshipped baby Jesus because they had a revelation about who he was. Baby Jesus, wow, wow, little baby Jesus hadn't done anything for the world yet, but they worshipped him because of the revelation that they had of who he was. He was a vulnerable baby like any vulnerable baby. He had not brought down giants. He had not saved the world. He had done nothing. He was a vulnerable little baby that needed his mother just as much as anyone else. Yet they worshipped him because they had a revelation of what he was to come. The three wise men traveled from afar across the earth. They brought costly um, gifts for, to present to him because they had a revelation. They understood this one will be the saviour of all of mankind. How much more sh so should we get up off our couches, switch off Netflix and travel across to the house of God to worship the one because we have a revelation of the fullness of what he's done. What he's done is not token. That baby grew up and that baby went to the cross and that baby gave it all for the salvation of the world. So we have every reason. We all have a story of his goodness to us. We have all the reason in the world to have a revelation of how we can worship him. So I wanna ask you tonight, I'm going to shift gears here a bit. What is center stage? I want to ask you tonight as we consider this worship thing. What is center stage for you? What is the most prominent thing in your heart? What is, uh, what is filling this, the cavities of your heart? What are your concerns? What, what takes the large portion of your energy and your attention? In this story, in John 2, 13, to 16 in the Passion Translation, Jesus clears the temple. I love it. It goes on to say, 
But the time was close for the Jewish Passover, which is a, a festival, kids celebrating that the tribe were free from slavery. So the Passover was a significant moment. But, but the time was close for the Jewish Passover to begin. So Jesus walked to Jerusalem. As he went into the temple courtyard, he noticed it was filled with merchants selling oxen, lambs and doves for exorbitant prices, while others were overcharging as they exchanged currency behind their counters. So Jesus found some rope and made it into a whip. Then he drove out every one of them and their animals from the courtyard of the temple and he kicked over their tables filled with money, scattering it everywhere and he shouted at the merchants, get these things out of here. Don't you dare make my father's house into a center of merchandise. Who knows that Jesus was restoring some holy order on this particular occasion. Who knows that Jesus isn't always meek and mild, particularly when it's in the situation of advocating for his father's house and for advocating for your life. You're going to find that Jesus has a righteous anger on the inside of him, actually. He's not token. He's not meek and mild. He's actually, there are times in the scriptures where a righteous anger burned, a conviction burned on the inside of him because what was happening in this story was the church was being misused. It was people selling their own agenda, taking the context of the Passover and making it a money-making adventure. And Jesus recognized that in the hearts of the people and he was addressing that and bringing order back to the house. In fact, they made about 300,000 a year at this Passover festival. So it was that boom time for all the merchants at this time. And Jesus recognized that what was a holy memorial, a worship moment, had, had um, spiraled down into something that was greed-oriented and making money, and it had drifted from the true north of what it is. And I want to speak to us as the corporate church, as the body of Christ. The only agenda of the church is to magnify Jesus and to make disciples. And we have to check the agenda of our hearts at times and make sure Jesus and him alone is front and center in the church. Let him be the filter of everything else. Oh, there's lots that can try and, and, and take a place that is rightfully his, only his. The story goes on to say in verse 18, how are we doing? We're good. Yeah. But the Jewish religious leaders challenged Jesus, what authorization do you have to do this sort of thing? If God gave you the kind of authority, what, what supernatural sign will you show us to prove it? Verse 19, Jesus answered, after you've destroyed this temple, I will raise it up again in three days. Then the Jewish leaders sneered, this temple took 46 years to build. And you mean to tell us that you'll raise it up in three days? But they didn't understand that Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. Jesus reproached in Revelation. They responded in the natural. There was a revelation gap. They were set on a course. They were set on a natural course. They were set on man's course. And they were totally missing what Jesus, the very son of God, was wanting. There was a revelation gap, a disconnect in this story. They'd gotten caught up in the natural and they were missing what really mattered to God. And worship restores a holy order in our heart. It gets the things that really matter to God front and center. And here's the things. God's temples cannot be destroyed. They're raised up. You are a temple to house God and his presence. This is not the temple. This building 
is the gathering place. This is the meeting place. You, Wilson, are the temple. You're the carrier of God. You, June, are the temple. You're the carrier of God. You, Jess, are the temple. You're the carrier of God. And that's eternal. It's not about context. It's not about what's momentary. That will transcend from this life into eternity. This building will pass away, but the investment of the kingdom of heaven, which exists inside of each of you, will not pass away. It will go into eternity. You're a temple to house God in His presence. You're a temple to carry God. You are eternal. Can I bring some perspective here tonight? We're not natural. We're not of this earth. What center stage? Is there a part of your world that's purposed for worship, your heart, your energy, filled with natural things, social media, Netflix, work, friends, entertainment, worldly ambitions, worldly preoccupations. Do we need to drive some things out tonight to restore some holy order in our hearts in this tonight? You know, I grew up on a farm. Anyone else out there? Country kids? And um, I grew up uh, herding the sheep with my grandfather and my siblings and sometimes my dad. And um, it looked like a bit of um, beautiful chaos. Um, what it would look like is we'd all form a line behind the sheep and then all be gathered together. And um, sheep don't have a natural leader. You have to drive them to move them. And we'd all line up behind and someone would be on the motorbike and maybe there'd be a couple of sheep dogs. And together we would, um, we would herd and move the sheep forward. It was very slow. It was very tedious. And together, collectively, we'd just get them in the direction that we want to. And every now and then, there'd be a rogue sheep who would get a fright. And he'd jerk, you know, run off in a certain direction. Maybe a couple of sheep would follow him. And we'd have to send someone off to round them up and to bring them back in. You know, it was beautiful chaos. It was fun. Sometimes managing our heart is like herding sheep. There can be, you know, trajectory thoughts and runaway sheep in our heart. And sometimes it's like we have to rain all that activity back in and recover our focus. The beautiful thing is that Jesus is the good shepherd standing over our hearts, standing over our lives. And he, in this story, he drove out the market sellers. He moved them out. And he, if we give him permission, he will drive out all those things that occupy a place that is rightfully his. And that's the beautiful thing. When we, we give him permission to restore holy order in our heart, he'll do that. He'll come in. And, he'll, and the things that we need to yield to him, he'll partner with us for our liberty, for our freedom. This is who he is. And in this story, he drove out the cattle. But when it came to the owners of the doves in the wicked cages, um, he had to ask them to take them away. And, you know, God will ask us, he'll ask us that he, give, he gives us authority over our heart. And what he does is he's a gentleman and he'll say, is there any care or concern that you have? Is there any angst that you have that you're living with that you want to be free from? Well, give me permission and I will come and I'll, and I'll drive. I'll take the doves in the wicker baskets. I'll take the burdens and the cares. I'll take the preoccupations and I'll remove them from your life. He's a gentleman. When we give him permission, he comes in and he does what only he can do. He'll partner with us to clear the way, to drive out the cattle, to drive out the preoccupations, anxious thoughts, obsessive thoughts, undermining, self-loathing, anger, addiction, all these disorders bow to the name of Jesus. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I need an intervention. Jesus, 
I need you to come and take the angst, take the thoughts. Jesus, do what only you can do. I'm giving you permission. It's surrender. It's not complex. It's not fancy. It's not impressive. It's just Jesus, come. Come into my household. Come into my circumstances, Jesus, and do what only you can do. Thank you, Lord. You know, in most Bible stories, Jesus ministers in grace and love. But in this story, we see him take the whip and he drives those things out and he'll exercise the same authority so that we know peace. For the sake of our peace, he'll come in and he'll move these things. And it says in John 2, 17, I am consumed with a fiery passion to keep your house pure. And another translation says, I'll be consumed with jealousy for the honor of your house. You know, Jesus concerns himself with our honor. He cares about our peace of mind. He cares that we sleep through the night. He cares that we're not preoccupied with our thoughts and cares of this life. He cares about how we're going to make ends meet for our family. This is the nature of my God. You know, what's powerful about this situation is Jesus wasn't just driving the animals out because they were making a business of it. He was driving them out as a prophetic act because Jesus would become the ultimate sacrifice for all of humanity. And he, what happened is they used these animals as a sacrifice to redeem themselves before God. Jesus was driving them out because he would become the ultimate sacrifice for all of humanity. He was saying, I will be enough. You won't need to sacrifice sheep and doves anymore. I will be the ultimate act. He was disarming a religious act. He was a prophetic act. He was making way, saying, I will be sufficient for all of mankind. And tonight we can invite him to clear, clear the deck. Jesus, we want to clear the deck of all the things. We want to drive out all worldly distraction. We surrender afresh. Jesus, we put you front and center. You are Lord. You are Savior. We put you in your rightful place. In your mighty name. Amen.